Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Support WrestleTalk. Donate on Patreon. Making their way to the ring at a combined weight of undeniably sexy, hailing from London, the Russell Ramble Podcast! Hello and welcome to the Russell Ramble Podcast. I am Ollie Davis and I'm joined by Luke Owen. Hello, Swaft Nation. Hello, Oliver Davis. Happy Monday. How are you? How did you find today's show? I'm worried about today's show. Why? I feel like I enjoyed something too much. I was honest about that enjoyment. And now I'm worried everyone will say I'm a fraud mm-hmm. and that I'm rubbish. And it was actually the worst pay-per-view ever. And I shouldn't have enjoyed it. Well, I'm going to recall to you my first experience of doing a Raw in about four minutes episode. Which was, I'd still argue, the best Raw we've had this year. Which I thought was a perfect show. It didn't feel too long. It really filled out its three hours well. It told some very good stories and had some really good matches to boot. And so I gave it the top rating. Mm. And boy, did I get a lot of feedback. However, I wonder if a lot of that was just down to, you're not Ollie. Who are you? Who are you to come in here and do Ollie's job and then give it the top rating? That was like your second week of videos, wasn't it? Of uh, proper non-Wrestle Ramble videos. It was. Yeah, and you came in here with your five-star dicker swinging, well, like, yeah, slapping the viewers mind, in though, their face. But I'd given like, the pay-per-view, like, I think I'd given it the, a three out of five. Oh, it was Great Balls, wasn't great it? Great Balls, which yeah, everyone thought was like the best show of the year, and I thought it was fine. And everyone thought it was the best show of the year because of the Roman Braun thing. Well, my uh, my my review only just went live. I haven't looked at any of the comments yet, but uh, I'm going to brace myself like Ned Stark in the coldest of winters. Should we do some reviews? Because this was uh, this was a long episode, so we'll just do some quick reviews yeah, and then yeah. jump into oh, it. Yeah, because we've got a lot, to, lots of uh, rambling to get yeah. into. Yeah. So uh, first up from Maggie, 1994. Wonder oh. when they were born. Oh, Sorry. what was that? Did you Sorry. just kick? No, you just turned on I just turned your on. Wi-Fi. Well, that's because I was going to try and find uh, Yushi Review so I could uh, read some out live to you on air. But um... oh, that was that would be very nice of you. <laughs> well, I could do, if you want to do that for the the post the post show bit. We could get that up on uh, on on my internet I, on my laptop. I can sure get it up. So, ooh, what a tease to stick around till the exclusive ramble at the end. Anyway, Maggie, nineteen ninety four. She says, "Great podcasts. 
on par with Inside the Ropes podcasts. No higher praise getting me through training for a marathon. Oh, wow. Stay swaffed. Good. Run faster, Maggie. Lovely stuff. Keep running. Excellent. I mean, you did leave that for us... Um... Oh, she's one. Oh no, well over a month ago. So um, I'd imagine you've probably done that marathon now. When do marathons happen? Uh, they well, th- there's many different ones, isn't there? The, the London ones around July time, and then you've got the Brighton one. And I mean, maybe she could just. She doesn't have to be part of an organised one. She's no. just going to run for a while. Absolutely, yes, very true. What what a long way to run. <laughs> <laughs> Bearing in mind, like where I am yeah. currently doing like a couch to five k thing, I uh, only run for about half an hour. Mm. Um, really, it's about like 20 minutes when you take out the five minutes of walking as a warm-up and then a five minutes of a warm-down walk. And I think that's too long. Mm. Like, I only, I only run around the block, like, but I'm like, it's a bit long, this. Like, I'm yeah. running for ages. And it's, it's, it's physical, isn't it? And it's tedious. It's not like laying down on a bed. No! It's oh, a no. lot more upright and forward. It's, do you know what? I mean, I, I, I don't like to compare things, but it really isn't as good as being in bed asleep, mm. I would argue. So I always go for a, a bit of a run at the start of the gym, uh, like a two or three kilometres. And I... I <sighs> That's a lot. I did it I did it one day. And my, my friend had just finished a half marathon. You know, I texted him before I came out, like, well done. He did it in... He did it in a, a, a respectable amount of time. And I... A half marathon. And I had just done my 3K, which is like 2% of a half marathon. Probably not correct. And I was like, wait a second. If he did that in the time he told me, and I'm looking at my time, which was... I couldn't have gone much faster. I'm like, not only did he run faster than me, he ran for like... Well, he ran, I, I ran for about 10, 12 minutes. He ran for about three hours. Oof. Faster than I ran in that 12 minutes. Just like running for three hours, man. Yeah. That's a long time to run. And he said his body his body wasn't happy the next day. I'd imagine it wasn't. We're not built to do it. Mm, okay, so next up we have Cameron and Craig's mum. Oh, wow, lovely stuff. No, I think that is. I don't think that's a nice thing. I think Cameron is making fun of his friend Craig and how maybe <laughs> he wants to... Maybe finds his friend's mum attractive. Did you ever have a uh, a friend's mum who was attractive? Uh, that it, means yes, you did, yeah. No, no, no. It means it was my mum. You guys right, it was your mum, of course it was. Yeah, so to this day... Everyone, because I come from an attractive family. <laughs> uh, my sister, my dad, my mum. Like at uni, what happened with you? That, exactly, I know that's that's <laughs> the the cruel joke. <laughs> at uni, uh, I lived with a lot of women, and my dad was a dilf. You know, I didn't hear the end of it all the way through school. Milf yeah. about my mum, and then as soon as my sister came of age, yep, her too. She's on the, she's on the <laughs> the banter bandwagon to annoy Ollie. So yeah, I just uh, yeah, it's an I'm I'm almost immune to any mum jokes. Oh yeah, now. really? Yeah, I will get I will do the mum joke before you do the mum joke because <laughs> you've heard them all before. Yeah, that's uh, that's my way. Why? What was what was your? Oh no, was it? I, I, but I never had uh, a, a friend's mum who was like attractive in that way. Mm. Like I think all like my friend's mum just looked like mums really. Like like sometimes that's what people are into. Well, perhaps so. Like like my mum just looks like a mum. Mm. Like you know, I, I love my mum. I think my mum's grand and everything. But like my mum just looks like a mum. Although. When it was slightly um, ruined for me ever so, when 
uh, 2003, I want to say, Electric Six released uh, Danger High Voltage. Yeah. The woman in the video um, for for it looks a lot like my mum. Does she really? Like a lot, uh, particularly around that time, it looks a lot like my mum. I just want to go around standing by. Exactly, yeah. So I used to get a lot of like, is that your mum in the uh, Electric yeah. Six video? And so I was like, yeah, no, it is. That's that's the side job she's taking on at the moment. As it's well, the best as, way around it. Yeah, yeah just, as, to, just to dive yeah. straight into it. And, as well as like running Berkshire PCT Healthcare Trust and making sure that you get doctor's appointments on time. Uh, she's going off and starring in Electric Ticks videos. You did the right strategy because, to quote Shinsuke Nakamura, sticks and stones may break my bones. <laughs> we need a mouth guard for you to do it correctly. But, <laughs> I don't want to unintentionally be racist because I'm trying to simulate a mouth guard in my mouth. Why do they put a mouth guard in his mouth when he's cutting promos? A rib. <laughs> it's a horrible rib. You put that goddamn mouth guard yeah. in him. Okay, so back to Cameron and Craig's mum. I'm sure Craig's mum is lovely, decent woman. It'd be really harsh now if it was literally Craig and Callum's mum. Cameron. And Sorry, yeah, yeah. they are great. I love everything about the Wrestle Ramble. Luke and Ollie are the perfect hosts. Well, that's true. Cheers, it's not true, Cameron really, but Craig's thank you very much. So uh, after saying we would jump straight into the show, <laughs> we did talk about mums a bit. So let's get into it. <clears throat> what she said. <laughs> We had we we went on a date at the weekend. Certainly did. You and I went to go see a uh, warehouse of nothing but wrestling action figures. Yeah, we went, we visited the uh, the website Wrestling Shop. We we visited its top secret wrestling base as part of a an upcoming project that we'll announce soon. And uh, oh my god, it was just re- just. So many action figures, can't racks call upon them toys. racks. No, racks upon racks of <laughs> action figures and like memorabilia and stuff, yeah. and like all the paraphernalia that comes with uh, Mattel having the WWE license. So that's um, fake belts, um, rings, lunchboxes, lunchboxes, punk, uh, actually, and pop vinyls. I was mm. talking about companies other than Mattel who have a WWE license. But and it was mainly it was overwhelmingly action figures. It really was. It was like every series. It was mm. pretty spectacular. We found some incredible finds within there, including, I thought, an action figure I never thought I would see. And that was a Renee Young action figure. The Renee Young, that was an eye-opener. <laughs> yeah. It was. Uh, it was just her. She, she looked a bit... She had weird hair. Yeah. Because I didn't really know... The levels of quality in wrestling figures, and uh, should have been there for the Jacks days. Yeah, you had the basics, which Renee Young was part of. Poor thing. Then you had the defining elite moment ones, and like the hair looks really good. The belts look. I just wanted to buy some for the belt design alone. Mm -hmm. Poor old Renee Young just had like one block of plastic for a skirt. Yeah, one block of plastic for some hair, and then a face that kind of looked like her. But uh, what else did we see? My favourite find was a, a Team Bad clad a team, Tamina. Yeah, Tamina action figure in her Team Bad attire. We were looking for the most obscure, <laughs> rubbish ones we could find. But there's plenty of awesome ones. There was actually a, a figure in there that I suppose I'd never thought I would see. Mm. But I've just since discovered it's come out quite recently in that Elite series, which was a uh, Dr. Isaac Yankum. Yeah. I didn't think it would be that. I, I suddenly found it. I was like... My God, there's an Isaac Yankum figure. He got the uh, Defining Moments treatment. So that was like a really well-detailed, super-articulated... Mm. You know, can twist at the waist and twist, uh, bend at the, the torso. Whereas poor old Renee Young 
She's just basic. See, now you uh, have not been a collector of action figures, um, which is something that I have dabbled with in my... Uh, dabbled. My, I, I dabbled a little bit in my in my youth. Yeah. Uh, I had a, a pretty good collection. Mostly, like, Friday the 13th was, like, my... That was that was kind of my collection. Mm. That was why I used to go out of my way to buy. I spent a lot of money once. Sideshow Collectibles uh, were doing 12-inch... Uh, well, essentially they were dolls, but they were like they were dolls because they were twelve-inch things uh, of Jason. It was like throughout the year, so you'd, they'd have like a part one, which was a panel of Voorhees, then part two, and he was Sackhead, part three, but that was the really expensive one. Mm. And I managed to find an un, a, a boxed mint on card, as they would say, um, and it cost me one hundred and eighty pounds to buy wow. to complete 180. my collection. To complete my collection. Now I'd never got into the uh, the action figure game. I was too busy banging chicks. <laughs> I was reading comics. <laughs> Never really got into the action figures. Side no, of things. but you were very like you, you. Kind of sort of immersed yourself into it, and you kind of got you really enjoyed the lingo well, and the language yeah, yeah, yeah. used. I really like uh, I really like um, language and you know the, the kayfabe stuff and heel and heat and how uh, wrestling fans speak is evolved through Carney. I love stuff like that. Uh, so when someone says when someone's a super fan of something and they describe something like it's second nature to them that the, the uh, like a shelf warmer just came up in conversation mm-hmm. and they didn't even explain it. And I was like, so what, what is, what's a shelf warmer? Never heard that before. And I was like, oh, it's like a collector term where it's where this, these, these figures are never going to sell. A Renee Young is a yeah, shelf warmer. They're just going to sit there and be a shelf warmer. And I just, I kept on digging into that and learned about case breakdown, chase variants. I loved all the the little terminologies, but it was, it was really, really fun. But should we get on with the show with the review? I suppose we better add. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So Hell in a Cell 2017 was last night, Luke. It's in the books. And uh, last year it was a raw pay-per-view. Of course, it had the first ever women's main event Mm. of a WWE pay-per-view with Sasha Banks going against Charlotte inside Hell in a Cell. And that evil table, the table won that night. Uh, Luckily, all tables broke in in the right places this They certainly did this time round. Because... I mean, and it's probably a good job that they did as well because, man, that Detroit crowd wanted them some tables. They were chanting for tables from the from the get-go. I know, and I just felt like grabbing every single one of them. They're like, they're coming. Yeah, they'll come eventually. They're right here. They're right here, Detroit. <laughs> In this this thing that looks like Michigan, this Palm podcast listeners. Yeah, I'm doing the Mich- Motor City machine guns. So easy to nearly call the Motor City machine guns something else. I always nearly slip motor. Sh- Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm with so you. I always have to slow down mm-hmm. when I say that name. But yes, the uh, the show kicked off with uh, well, the kickoff show, the pre-show, whatever you want to call it. There was a few. I didn't watch all of the interviews, but Aiden English was on there. Charlotte had a little backstage bit. I, did, I, I didn't watch it at yeah. all. But did you what you watch the, no. the match? No, no. Oh, you didn't match. even watch no. the match. No, I had to go into Wrestling Observer to find out who won. Okay, well, this was uh, the the pre-show match was Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin versus the Hype Bros, and they showed a few clips uh, in the build-up to this that I hadn't seen before, and apparently they'd actually kind of been feuding with those WWE Online clips. Mm, okay, like uh, the. the American Beta would be cutting a promo and the Hype Bros would be la- uh, arguing elsewhere because they just lost a match. And then they'd have a bit of a confrontation between the two. Oh, okay. The sort of stuff that really should go on your main program. Yeah, the stuff mm. that feels a bit natural. <clears throat> but uh, this was a perfectly fine opener. Went about uh, seven, ten minutes. Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin won. They're, of course, very good. I like Mojo Rawley now. I don't. I, this, this new kind of more pissed off version of Mojo. I, I really like. I think he's got presence. Zack Ryder's that ship sailed a long time ago. Well, long time. But ago. Uh, but because Mojo is lacking in some parts, it's it's wise to pair them together. So I really hope they turn heel as a unit rather than them both splitting up. Well, uh, Meltzer noted in the Wrestling Observer reviews the one takeaway that I did have from mm. it was that they were wearing different coloured tights to further mm. show their dissension. They're not even wearing matching colours anymore. The one takeaway like, from your the match you didn't watch well yeah because well, i read through the review but that was my one takeaway from that review well that, that's very my my takeaway though mm. is they like it was about two minutes into the match and i thought what's wrong with this match it's nothing in the ring i just and i realized they haven't got a hard cam and i'm not kidding go back and watch this match there are no hard cam shots until right at the end oh wow and the the hard cam shot is essentially a guy at ringside filming through the bottom and middle rope so, so you're looking looks, up at everything looks like a house show recording. it looks like an indie show yeah. <laughs> yeah but you know with very good cameras and you cut into loads of other bits but it wasn't from the stands where the hard cam traditionally yeah, yeah. is that only came in at the end in the celebration i thought 
God, this is a pre-show match. They haven't even got the hard cam turned on or framed up. I thought that was astounding. I, so I, I found the the, the, the uh, separate costume things to be uh, an interesting note, mm. particularly because um, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins don't wear the same outfits either. Yeah, consistency. So yeah, the hype bros lost, and they didn't turn heel. Uh, that was my prediction. That was my hoping prediction. I knew in my head American Beta seemed to be being groomed for the next number one contenders spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was hoping, I was hoping for a new day retention and a hype bros uh, heel turn to go up against them. I hedged my bets because I went for the Usos. But uh, yeah, you won this round. You won the pre-show round. Thank you. You went for for. Gable and Benjamin, I went. Yeah, for I had a feeling I had because I had a feeling the Usos were going to mm. win the 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 Hell in a Cell, and they were going to need new number one contenders. And what better tag team than pretty much the only other tag team that is being pushed at the moment? The Ascension. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, being um, outside of being pushed as a joke, mm. as of being pushed as a punchline. What? How dare you? The Ascension got over as mega baby faces this night. Oh no! Absolutely, and I, I do not undispute that. Mm. Um, undispute that? I do not dispute that. You've been watching too much NXT. <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> cracking episode of NXT this week, by the mm. way. Absolutely cracking episode. Um, so the main show kicked off with a bang, and then a trombone, and then some symbols because it was the New Day defending their SmackDown Tag Team Championships against the Usos in a Hell in a Cell match. I wish they just called it a penitentiary match and put a few gimmicks. Yeah. Because there were so many weapons used. You could have them hanging off the walls. This, a little shower area. I this, don't know how far you want to go with it. This match was carnage mm. from the word go until the final bell. And I loved every single second of it. It was incredible. Yeah, it, it was great. Yeah, and, and you say carnage and sometimes carnage can mean just all over the place but still pretty fun this was so well controlled like everyone was on top of what they were doing while making it look like it was complete chaos and that's what i I assume that's the hardest thing to do you know like how they say uh that the hardest thing to do is be a bad comedy wrestler Mm -hmm. because you actually have to wrestle very very well to wrestle bad and pull it off convincingly Mm -hmm. uh and i don't know i don't think that comparison actually really works here but my initial thought of this, as soon as it started, was what Xavier's in the ring because he's been out injured mm. since after SummerSlam, and uh, I well, just it was assumed... Kofi that was injured. No, Kofi uh, knocked knocked, ba- knocked his knee at a house show, but it was cleared the next day. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, so and it was a, like a question mark over him. But Xavier Woods has been carrying the knee brace. He hasn't been hasn't been involved in any of the matches or anything physical. And I thought, this is your return match. <laughs> the hell in a cell match it did feel like because uh, when they were walking in particularly uh xavier woods who you know has grown up a big wwe fan his whole life mm-hmm. you know he was a teenager during the actual era so this is very much like a something that means a lot to him i can imagine that when they said they were going to do a tag team hell in a cell match he was like i have to be a part of that and you can almost see that before he walked in he took mm-hmm. a lot a lot of like a deep breath before he walked in of like a finally yeah. i get to have this match yeah, because they... I suppose. Oh, sorry to cut you off there. I suppose if you're part of a tag team, you're always going to think like, "Well, I'll never get inside Hell in a Cell." So have ladder I... match after ladder match. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I think that for them it was like a really big deal, and uh, so I was really happy for them to get that. They really sold it well, didn't they? When they walked in and they looked up at the cage, and it was just it, it felt momentous. And yeah. then the Usos. It wasn't like a big pull apart brawl like later on in the night between Shane and Owens, but they just both stood there in the ring. 
and looked at each other as the cell descended with Kofi on the outside. And what I would say as well about this pay-per-view, and credit to both the Usos and the New Day, as well as Owens and uh, Shane O'Mac, was that it's very difficult to do a pay-per-view when you have two of the same gimmick match. Uh, You and I recently Mm. did our Wrestle Ramble Extra episode on Money in the Bank 2011, which featured two Money in the Bank ladder matches. And the, the work that you have to do to make sure that you're doing the same match, but you've got to make them feel different. And these were two, I'd say, of the best Hell in a Cell matches we've had in quite some time, and they both felt very different. And yeah. I thought it was re- I thought it really, really great work on on all of their parts. Yeah, it was like what I was most impressed by. Well, there were two there were two components of how impressed I am with this match. The first one was how how dangerous they made stuff look that was actually very, very safe. So you've got to remember this is all working within a PG PG format. And that they managed to make things look really violent without blood mm-hmm. and stuff that is comparatively very, very safe. Like the bit where I can't remember which you so it was, but he's in the corner and they're wedging the, the kendo, kendo sticks to trap him. Genius spot. And it's up against his face and he looks like he's properly trapped there. And it looks horrible. Mm-hmm. Like that, it just looks like some form of torture. Yeah. And it, Whichever Uso it was was selling it superbly. I thought it was that was it was uh, Jimmy. Um, it was Jimmy. Yeah, that's good. And uh, sorry, because I made that note. I loved that spot. It was one of my favorite spots mm. in there. My other favorite spots within the match, the one that just like jumped out to my mind, was the Uranagi off the ring apron into a backstabber because. Mm. Oh, that looked like it hurt really. And everyone. Okay, didn't it just because like down on Xavier's injured knee. And then whichever Russo it was mm. taking the move. Oh, no thanks. Do not sign me up to take that move. Because it, it kind of looked... The people's I, elbow, that's the move I'm taking. Yeah. I don't... like. To me, it looked like they didn't hit it right. It just looked like it looked Xavier like, Woods it, leapt underneath him and didn't get his knees up. Yeah. But uh, full credit for an innovative spot. Like, so good. Because they're, they're in the back thinking, we had this really well-received match at SummerSlam. How do we top it? Everyone's looking forward to this match. Mm-hmm. We've created this expectation. And they've gone back, and they haven't just said, let's call it on the night, you know, blah, blah, blah. They've gone back, and they have worked out some really cool, innovative spots, like the bit where he's trapped in the corner of the cage, like the Uranagi off the ring apron, like the bit with Xavier Wood suspended yeah. on the handcuffs and him just getting tortured with the kendo sticks. Ow, It just ow, felt so, called, like, torturous. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've written down here... It's it's this tonight. Well, this year and this month marks the twentieth anniversary of the mm-hmm. Hell in a Cell. We had our first one at Bad Blood '97, and here we are now, twenty years later. We've probably we've had like five thousand Hell in a Cell matches because they do them so yeah. often these days. And yet, twenty years later, these four lads have found ways to make this like just feel brand new mm-hmm. and fresh and original. You can't say that for when Randy Orton and Sheamus had a Hell in a Cell match. And you look at me blankly because everyone forgets that they had a Hell in a Cell match because that's what Hell in a Cell became. Mm. It just became something you put lads in because it was a gimmicked pay-per-view. And so you have to do it. So even if it's a few that doesn't necessitate a Hell in a Cell, they just had Hell in a Cell matches. So they just became really boring and pedestrian. But now, it's thing, it's matches like this where you're like, and the, and the main event, where you go, yeah, the Hell in a Cell can be really great. And mm. like when um, Dean and Seth had one a couple of years ago, it's the same deal there where you're like, man, these matches can be good. And I, I loved it. I, I was thinking about, you know, how important the Hell in a Cell uh, gimmick used to be in terms of the end of a feud. 
and how if anyone back in my day when I was watching as a kid if someone said and it's going to be inside Hell in a Cell I'd be like oh my god yeah. that's the most insane news we get like one of those every two years this is going to be amazing that's all I'd think about and it was a it was a genuine pop moment but then I was thinking that, and this was only the other day I was thinking this why didn't Xavier Woods get more of a pop when uh, they announced it at Smackdown against the Usos because no one goes to Smackdown tapings there's that there's the fact that it was a third fall probably Uh, there's also the excuse of you know wrestling news like our site is is a lot bigger these days so it might have been spoiled for people that news had been leaked like two three weeks earlier but I think and you know a lot of people like oh you've spoiled this for us I think the very fact of having a pay-per-view called Hell in a Cell (laughs) that everyone knows is coming up like everyone's like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, so that's the one that's going there, rather than, oh my god, a Hell in a Cell match. Yeah. So that's that's a bit of a a tangent. The the second component to how I enjoyed this match, which I think is the reason this match works so well. Of course, you've got these really innovative spots on top, like these are the really cool dressing of the salad or the icing on top of the cake. Those really violent looking PG spots, essentially. But underneath that was the uh, the drama and the storytelling and the emotions. I I don't think anyone's going to talk about this because he played his well he's played his part so well that it's not really going to get noticed and that's Kofi Kingston on the outside looking through the cage reacting to stuff. He always seemed to be in the right spot for the cameras and then it's just when you get that extra level of Oh, this is how I'm meant to feel. Oh, this is really serious by seeing Kofi's reactions on the outside. He's a spectator, just like we are. Uh, I thought that was a really nice touch, and he did it perfectly. Mm-hmm. The the way the Usos were gang up on a New Day member, that was a really nice narrative, you know, with Xavier, so they, with, they, especially they, with the handcuffs. Like their gang mentality. Loved it. Yeah, but the best part for me was when Big E went rage, and he suddenly stood up, and he was like, oh, no, no, I've had enough of this. There's no comedy this is me, everyone. If you've ever wondered, this is me as a total badass. Yep. And he just beat the crap out of everyone. There was a... Sorry, go on. I was going to say, he. What the, the spot I'm thinking of is when he ran with one of the Usos into the cage and then he ran into the other one where another Uso was. That's actually the exact point I was about to yeah. raise because then there was a great line from Corey Graves on commentary when he said he's Big E209, a reference to Robocop, mm. which is set in Detroit. Oh, nice work, Nice Corey. work, Corey. That's not the only time you did nice work tonight. <laughs> because you uh, you saved a, l- a lot of potentially angry comments from one referee call. Uh, but yeah, it was just all great stuff all the way through. And the finish was superb. You had uh, Biggie was now taken out because the numbers game overcame him. And then they just get uh, Jimmy and Jay hit something I can't remember what it was the, the double splash I think the double no because he had a really good kick out of the double splash and, and then they the, did a double splash on the chair yeah but that was on Xavier yes so oh we're talking about Big E sorry yeah, so, so Big E was down one of the Usos covered him and then Xavier Woods who I'd forgotten about ran in with the handcuffs yeah. still on and he pushed Big E out of the way and it was like what a desperation baby face move and that's and then I was like thank God Woods was in this match because mm-hmm. although Kofi's great that like Kofi um, Xavier's younger he has that baby fit he's smaller it works that spot works for him more and then the Usos of course it's two guys against one who's in handcuffs and they beat the crap out of him 
Double splash onto a chair. New champions. Brilliant. I loved it. I did think when he came back in with the handcuffs and he started making a bit of a comeback, I was like, someone's been watching Ring of Honor. Mm. When did they do that recently? With the Hangman Page. Oh, with the yeah, Young yeah, Bucks. yeah. Yeah, it was the gaffer tape, wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Thank God he didn't hit a moonsault That's like Page did. Jesus. Uh, so we both had the Usos down there. Mm-hmm. So at this point, it's... 2-1 to Luke. It certainly is. And this is a roller coaster of a pay-per-view <laughs> prediction. Next up, we had Randy Orton versus Rusev. Well, the, we just before that, we uh, had two things to, to note here. First of all, it was announced on the pre-show that it was now a triple threat match oh, yes. for the United States Championship. We talked about this last week. We thought they were going to announce it on SmackDown. Then they didn't. So I was like, well, maybe they'll announce it in the week. And then they didn't. Yeah. Didn't even do it on WWE.com. And then they announced it on the pre-show. My first thought was just why didn't you do this on Smackdown like what did you be- what benefited it from announcing it on the no. pre-show absolutely ludicrous because the idea would be surely well you've got the idea is so Ty can take the pin I guess and you can have a what turned out to be an excellent match but surely like if you're going to do it you thought well seeing that we're doing it let's try and get everyone over as much as we can you announced that on Smackdown where the vast majority of your audience is watching I don't know what the percentage is but I'd imagine 5% of SmackDown's viewers watch the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. So what? So only 5% get that tie bump. Why not give it to all the, the 2.5 million that yeah. watch SmackDown on Tuesday? I agree. Totally bizarre. And you, you can build more. Like, that is a more exciting match to build to. Just complete, complete waste yeah. of, of Dillinger. That Considering respect. the booking that you had for Dillinger on SmackDown, where he beat Baron Corbin. It's a perfect place to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, and it ma- it just makes everyone look a bit rubbish because then that, he goes to Daniel Bryan and says, "Let put me in the match," and Bryan's like, "Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. like this is the day of the show." Like, so I, so I didn't see the whole um, interview thing. They showed like a clip of it mm-hmm. on the, during the actual Hell in a Cell show we did, and they did like the the ten yes thing. Yeah. But that to me, now you can correct me on in this, on this in the comments. That felt to me like that had been taped on Tuesday because I don't think Daniel Bryan was there last night. If he was, he'd have been on Talking Smack rather than Pete Rosenberg. That's a good point. So if that was taped on Tuesday, and it might have been taped on Tuesday to put on the show, but then they just ran out of time and Mm. didn't bother doing it. It's like, ah, well, we'll just save that and put that on the pre-show instead, which I also feel a little bit about the fashion files, but we'll come on to that a little bit later on. I've also written here, I don't know who she interviewed, but she's one of the worst robots they've got. It's not Dasher, Mm. it's the other one. Yeah. But she was horrendous. Very, very bad. I, I can't even remember who she interviewed because she was so bad at her job. Yeah. Well, she got herself under. <laughs> you were more you were more concerned with the under, how under she was. Yeah. So Randy Orton versus Rusev. Uh, this, you know, it's been a fun feud because of Rusev. It's mainly been just like Rusev and Aiden English having a laugh and then Randy Orton RKO's someone. Yeah. And Randy Orton isn't the most interesting character to build this kind of feud around. So it's worked from that respect. Uh, it's not. It's not really a story I'm invested in. That's because it's been so one-sided. <clears throat> mm. I, you could argue that Rusev pinning Randy Orton in nine seconds is like him getting one up on Randy Orton, but that was like it was a two-on-one thing. Yeah. Randy had just faced match, so Rusev didn't really get a win over him at all. So this feud has really just been like Rusev and Aiden English being goofy and Randy Orton hitting an RKO out of nowhere, and has won both of the matches that this feud has had. Yeah, my problem with this match, and it was it was fine, you know, like as a, as a wrestled match, it was fine. It didn't have, uh, it was pleasurable to watch, you know. They were professional wrestlers yeah. having a professional wrestling match and doing it well. 
But my problem with it is it is just the latest example of something I've started to see a lot of, but I haven't spoken about it, and that is WWE's almost new form of 50-50 booking, which isn't you're going to win, so the next guy's going to beat you next week. It's, oh, you're going to lose, so you're going to take 90% of the match, and then the other guy's going to beat you with three moves at the end. Mm -hmm. And that's, like, as soon as Rusev was taking the majority of the match, five minutes in, I was like, well, Randy's, Randy's winning, surely. And, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Randy just hit a few moves at the end. Bad did, Rusev day. I did like one spot. Yeah, I was going to say, most of this match was just Rusev hit a move and then would just shout, it had to be Rusev day or it's Rusev day. That was day. great. That um, was great. There was one spot in this match I really did like, though, mm-hmm. which was when Randy undoes his little Transformers spinning move where he then yes. slaps the mat. And as he hit the mat, Rusev grabbed his hands and just, like, maneuvered himself into an accolade position. Yeah, I was like, was, oh, that's, that was a, that's a really cool spot. Yeah. Um, but I, so this match, I can't put this match better than Vinny put it on the Brian and Vinny mm. review, which was like it was the most Randy Orton, Randy Orton match I've seen in quite some time. Yeah, it was the most autopilot in that. Yeah, yeah you pretty much. That, yeah. yeah. Uh, but hey ho, the next match. Whoa, whoa, whoa! whoa. Oh, you've you got are, a bit more. You are skipping over stuff left, right, and center here. Is Colonel Sanders in the WWE video game? I. Uh, Maybe that's some customer tie. You can no, put no, on no. Kurt it's Angle. genuinely he is a playable character. It's like Fred Durst in um, oh, wow. in that the SmackDown game that he was in, which I find baffling. And also, are you sure it isn't the architect from the Matrix? <laughs> <laughs> also, it's um, I mean, it, there's a uh, 2K games that come under fire. As you and I were discussing yesterday mm. with the whole NBA 2K18 putting microtransaction and loot boxes and stuff. And there's going to be that sort of microtransaction stuff in WWE 2K18. But also, and this is horrible. They're now getting people to sponsor trophies that you win. You know, so they like oh, wow. achievements. So KFC have sponsored a achievement, and Snickers have as well. Wow! Yeah, well, you know, I can't wait for the uh, the Mars Bar Championship belt <laughs> on uh, on Two Hundred Five Live. There's also, and you're not going to hear me say this very often. Ooh. There's a very good line from Byron Saxton just before this triple threat kicked off. I'm glad he's coming around. So Ty's making his entrance, and that was when they used that time to go, let's go to all of our commentators from around the world. And they go all the way down the line. I love it when they go down the line. Love Sean Dang. He's great. Mm. And Funaki. Love seeing all of them there together. And then at the end of it, Corey Grave goes, every single one of them said they're happy because they're not working with Byron Saxton. And Byron goes, oh, really? I better check Rosetta Stone. See that's <laughs> that's his good. character. He's, he's just absolutely dicked on by everyone. He's like, oh, fair play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I I really enjoy Byron Saxton. Uh, really made me uh, chuckle for, for my sins. So yes, the three-way U.S. title match was next. Ty Dillinger was added to it. Baron Corbin, AJ, and Ty. And holy moly, U.S. title matches can be pretty good when there isn't uh, an advert break put in the middle of it or shrunk into a tiny screen in the corner. Or when Baron Corbin's not just waiting it down in a one-on-one match. Yeah. Where it's, where it's, bear in mind, Baron Corbin one-on-one matches are just bear hooks. You can't get away with that in a triple threat, mate. Well, it was so non-stop. It wasn't a traditional three-way or WWE three-way where one guy's out the ring and he's sort of awkwardly peering over like that yeah. guy from Home Improvement on the <laughs> on the on the fence yeah, yeah. W- watching for his bit to run in and then someone else gets, so it's only a two-on-two match but a one-on-one a revol- match yeah a one-on-one match but uh, a revolving uh, door wait, yeah a revolving door and it's a good job I'm here sometimes yeah, finish my words. sandwiches yeah <laughs> and the uh that this this was just move 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 with all of them and it worked it was a really good pacing Ty um, Baron actually was just 
doing his power stuff at the start. I thought they made Baron look really, really good in the first half of the match. And then there were just some really, really nice spots. Uh, my favourite being uh, the term, the, the opposite oh, turnbuckles. Oh, so awesome. Corbin, move, move. Then Dillinger would reverse a move. Move, move. AJ would reverse that move. Move, move. And then there was just this strike combination where Baron was down, tight turned round, AJ hit him with the uh, Pele. Pele kick, and Baron fell backwards. Ty fell down. So yeah, Ty fell backwards and just pinned Corbin by accident. It was so and then Corbin good. Corbin kicked out. That was awesome. That was a really like there were a lot of really well planned out wrestling spots in this match in in this this whole night. And I tell you what, I, I I usually am not a big fan of this finish, but it works so well for the story mm. that they've been telling here, which is that. AJ hits his finish. He hits the phenomenal forearm, which he's been trying to do all match. Finally hits it on Ty Dillinger. And then Baron just runs in and boots AJ like you've never seen. And he just falls out the ring. AJ taking crazy bumps because that's what AJ does. And Baron Corbin steals the pin. The perfect finish to this match. Mm. Because the whole thing is just like... It's you're the cheap shop artist. You always backdoor your way into victories. You can never win the big one on your own. You choke against John Cena. You choked when you had money in the bank. But if you can cheat or if someone can help you, then you can win. Oh, what a perfect ending to that match. I loved the finish. And it's it's really helped put Corbin back to where he should be. Like, he should never have been in the main event with the money in the he bank. He wasn't ready. Days. He, to be honest, shouldn't have been facing John Cena. And he was really exposed. And whatever happened backstage happened. And he was punished quite obviously on screen but now this is where he should be like he's in the the mid card title picture uh which actually is the wwe championship so he's in the he's in the other one he's in the united states i and you know what i'm like oh i actually like baron corbin he was just being pushed too hard yeah but this baron corbin big fan of he looked like enough of a badass early on in the match where the cheap shot the cheap cheapened victory felt fine because it just felt like a smart move to do and especially if so uh, AJ was on Talking Smack uh, afterwards mm. and he was talking about they kind of did talk about the US title picture however the purpose of that interview felt like he, he was actually moving himself into the Shane O'Mac storyline with Owens and Sammy yeah which means that now this, this US title picture can be Baron and Ty which can hopefully elevate Ty a little bit more mm. and maybe we can see some more faces come in to that and create like a little mini division around yeah. there well, that that would be perfect because yeah. AJ, uh, as well, his US title reign has been a flop. Let's be honest. And yeah, because he, he needs to go up again. He was never given the chance to do. Like, he should have been John Cena in 2015 yeah. when he was having the best match on TV every single week. That should have been AJ's role. But all of his matches, as you said, were just put into ad breaks, given three minutes. You can't get a great match out of three minutes. And he hasn't been. He's hardly been. He, he wasn't on TV at all for a month. Uh, since early September because WWE's plan is apparently to keep him off shows so people stick around for the AJ Styles uh, dark match after Smackdown so people watch 205 Live so that's also affected it as well yeah I think that's yeah. yeah. Uh, and so next up we had so yeah Baron's the new US champion absolutely looks good on him and who predicted that? Yes. Little old me. So at this point now, we have. You also predicted Randy Orton correctly. Of course I did, because Randy has to win. So it's. Oh, I predicted Baron Corbin too. So it's two. Three, two, three. uh, uh, Oh, yes, you're right. Four, two to you. Yeah. So, oh, I'm behind. What's going to happen? You'll have to find out. My smile probably gives it away, (laughs) though. Charlotte versus Natalia next. Can I give you a little fun fact here? 
Is it I, about Becky Lynch? It is, because I, I went back and did some research. So Becky Lynch hasn't had a one-on-one pay-per-view match since February. Mm. Um, she's been part of multi-person matches at Money in the Bank and WrestleMania and probably Backlash. Uh, but she hasn't had a one-on-one match since February, which also means that she hasn't had a storyline all year long. Yeah. That is a criminal waste of one of your best uh, female wrestlers. Like your, all one, around actually, well. one of your best wrestlers. I shouldn't say female wrestlers because mm. it's a bit insulting. One of your best wrestlers on the roster, and you've just not used her at all. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say she's one of the best wrestlers on the whole roster, but she's definitely in the best in the, in the women's division, and but she is one of the best talkers. Yeah. Like, as an all-round performer, she's superb. And you're, you're having Lana and Tamina. Like, how much time has been wasted on you, Lana and Tamina? But could you have not, like, organised a sub-storyline with um, Becky, Lynch and, Becky Lynch? Becky Lynch, yeah, yeah, exactly. And Tamina. If you're yeah. meant to be building Tamina up uh, and you, you're looking to push her, I think that's what they're trying to do. Like, try and, like, fix some storylines rather than just say you're doing it and then wait till here mm. it's her turn to to go for the title rather than just having one storyline per well, month yeah yeah that is a problem i mean one of my criticisms of the whole pay-per-view was that it was probably one match too long so i wouldn't have added another match i'm not saying to it. add yeah. another oh you could have put it on the pre-show i suppose build build out that pre-show if, so it's more yeah, than just i one. watched the pre-show so i wouldn't i wouldn't want the pre-show match <laughs> Uh, so yes, Charlotte beat Natalia in the. Ne- yes, that's right. Yeah, I got confused then. Uh, that is right. Charlotte beat Natalia, but it was by DQ. So Natalia just got out of the chair. It was it was an interesting match and one that you have a problem with the finish. I don't necessarily because I think it's part of a, a larger story. So Natalia works over Charlotte's leg for the whole match really, and it was for me it was weird seeing this dominant heel. In Charlotte, you know, ever since she's been on the main roster, she's been this dominant, yeah, bad guy. Never really sells like this. And now she's doing a baby face selling in peril. And I, was, I just thought, this doesn't feel right. Well, no, I thought she did a really good job she of it. She did do a real good job of it. But it was just, it was strange seeing her, especially because she's so much taller than Natalia. Uh, and I just associate her face with this cocky, uh, which I love. I'm a big fan of Charlotte. It was it was just peculiar to see her in the babyface in peril role for mm-hmm. me. But uh, yeah, she did do a good job. She did. I, I actually really enjoyed this match, although it was a very quiet crowd. Um, I think the crowd was so hot for the Usos mm-hmm. match, and then they were very hot because Randy Orton has made his entrance, and despite Randy being a product of a bygone era, he is still one of the most over people on the entire roster. The US title match was great. US title match was great. But then the crowd just started to like... And the crowd did dip down a lot for the next few matches. Um, particularly in this match, and I really enjoyed like the build to the moonsault. I liked Charlotte doing like the one-legged hop mm. up. She like attempted it four times before doing the big moonsault to the outside. But uh, yeah, I, I do take issue with the finish only because I think that in in this storyline, it doesn't overly make sense. It does make sense in the gender storyline. Like, if you'd have done this finish in the gender storyline, that would have been a perfect end to that match and to carry on that, to be the next chapter in that story. Here, though, the build has never been um, that that Natalia can't beat Charlotte without cheating. And it just really came out of nowhere. Now, there is a storyline that you possibly could tell in this, but I felt that the commentators didn't tell this story, so I don't know if that it, this is what they were trying to do. Which was that Natalia was like, "I've injured you so much, and I've injured your leg so much, and yet you've just done a moonsault off a top rope. So mm. clearly, my tactics aren't working. I better try something else." 
I'll hit you with a chair. If that's the storyline they're telling, grand. But had the commentators try and put that over? Because the commentators did not put that over. Yeah, I that uh, the as much as I enjoyed the turnbuckle spot as well and how it was teased and built up throughout the match, I was really hoping they were going to do the Kenny Omega one-legged moonsault, which he did in a G1 match, I think. Mm-hmm. But she did. She ended up doing a proper moonsault with both legs, so I thought that was a bit of a missed opportunity. Uh, but the in terms of the finish, I... So, I mean, you talk about the that hasn't been the story of the feud so far, but there hasn't, there hasn't been a story of the feud so far. This is the first meeting of them in this most recent program. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and this is like, this is, you had the build to the match, just a normal match. And then you have, this is, this is your next beat. This is your story beat. I'm Natalia. I don't feel like I'm going to lose. Uh, I'm just going to whack you in the leg with a chair for but the you, lols of it. But you're kind of already telling that story with Jinder, mm-hmm. which is Jinder has well, always got the Singh brothers interfering for him. He's always cheating to win. Yeah. 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 I'm, but to say like, you don't have to do it here. I, yeah, I agree. Like these two, th- like having this finish would have worked a lot better for Jinder and Nakamura, but that isn't to say it doesn't work here. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely take that on board. But it, I, it was really interesting because a lot of people were kind of surprised that that Charlotte didn't win the belts here. But mm-hmm. my feelings on this, and this is kind of pretty much what the video package was telling us, was that the big Charlotte's title win will be when Rick is well enough to come back and he can accompany her to mm-hmm. a show. So the, I, even again, I think if you're telling that story and you're going to do the Natalia cheating, you're going to tell like, she's now the new dirtiest player in the game. That's kind of fine. I'd have probably just done it without getting a DQ finish. Because the idea of being the dirtiest player in the game is that you cheat to win, but you still win. Yeah. Whereas Natalia yeah. didn't win. Uh, but I guess she kept her title. But yeah, I, I see the point too. Uh, yeah, this is, yeah, don't be too down on this. And I know WWE don't have the best track record in following up on stories, but to me, this is this is only the first chapter, mm-hmm. and this could turn out to be the, a really good story by the end of it. With you know, like you said, Ric Flair's return, Chuck Bret Hart in there, and you have re- like a replay sort of the NXT, re- replay the NXT angle, which you know would be would be a really fun story. Uh, next up, speaking of fun stories. The Return of the Fashion Files. In a segment clearly that was meant to air on Tuesday and was just put on the pay-per-view instead. Yeah. the I, I mean, the pop from the crowd when they saw the Fashion Files logo. So you just got the video package. They kept some of the crowd noise in. The Detroit crowd go crazy for, for that logo. As well yeah. you should. And just what a fun opening package. It was great all the way through the ascent, like, you know, including the ascension. The cast of Entourage. The ca- not including the, the cast, cast of yeah. Entourage. Uh, the ascension have got their name the wrong way round yeah. and they smile and it's goofy. The stuff on the background. Tooth Fairy 3. Yep. And uh, allergic to sleeves. <laughs> and they had a picture of Kevin Owens and Randy Orton. That really the other one that made me, me laugh was a, there was a picture of Raven. It just said, that's so Raven. Nice. Very and good. They're just like... The way they were so flippant about that previous case, the 2B case, were like, oh man, can't believe that was a crazy way we solved that story. Yeah. They did the remembering thing and they just came back. They didn't do a flashback. I was like, you are so good at this. I'm not even angry that you have trolled me. That you essentially, you started a storyline, didn't know where it was going, and just dropped it. Yeah, that, that's a testament to how entertaining they are. Uh, the Ascension stuff but was fun. It got even better. Because then the Ascension came in with all their face paint on, but wearing disguises. So they didn't recognize them. And they were given a tube, tube, mm-hmm. tube. And they were like, oh, we put the wrong guy away. 
this case is still open, but it's not. It was just a picture of the Ascension, excuse me, saying, we want to be your friends. Yeah. And then my favourite line was when they're like, I mean, it can't be the Ascension. If we do all of this pay, all of this build up, and it's just the Ascension, that will be rubbish. Yeah, it was. It was. It was just the right amount of self-aware. Yeah. To to sort of negate any like anger that yeah. I would have had. You know, on Tuesday I was pretty angry, but I wasn't angry about them not paying off the storyline. I was angry about not seeing the fashion files. That's all I want, really. I just yeah. want more and more fashion files stuff. And yeah, they uh, they teased the fashion uh, pulp fashion pulp fashion pulp where they're going to do the the pulp fiction thing that was reported was that reported by that was pw insider pw insider yeah, yeah. so th- again I, f- I perhaps i am just um uh making some assumptions here but i do feel like that pulp fiction one was meant to be on the pay-per-view but they had to do the one that was meant oh, to yeah. be on tuesday but they ran out ran out of time or whatever they ran out of time for that they ran out of time for ty dillinger <laughs> get added what was on that show that w- not went, that, that much that went so long they had to bump two segments there was the really good Usays. it was new day and the usos there was the rusev thing uh, i think mm-hmm. and there was the Kev- kevin owen shane mcmahon thing uh, maybe they wanted to give that more time. But there, were, there was plenty else they could have gotten rid of. Mm-hmm. Like the whole feud between Jinder Mahal and Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, Segway. Nice. So, yes, the WWE Championship match. In theory, the uh, the most prestigious title mm. within world wrestling entertainment. Yeah. And, I mean, man, we've, I feel like we're beating a drum here, but this, this Jinder experiment is it's not working. And it's not Jinder's fault, mm. and it's not Nakamura's fault, but it is the piss-poor booking they have done with him since making him champion. Jinder is, he's been given the Jack Swagger, the Rey Mysterio, the CM Punk's first uh, title win, where it's like, we're giving you the belt, but we're not making you champion. You are not the guy. Mm. You are not the face of this brand. You're just going to hold this for a bit because we need you to do something for us i.e. we're having a tour in India so we kind of need you to be champion for that but we're not going to make you champion so just hold on to that belt for a little while and by doing that they've just completely devalued the WWE Championship to the point Mm. now when Nakamura does eventually win it it doesn't really feel like that big of a deal because he's winning what feels like the European title at this point Um, it's probably not that low but still Mm. and it's a real shame because you really could have had something with Jinder as champion. You really could have had something with him, but they just decided not to. I I was thinking about this and I don't know if it's as simple as how he's been booked as a weak champion. I think the problems are, are more fundamental in that he, he, he isn't a main eventer. Like, even if you booked him as a dominant champion, I, I just don't think it would have worked. It's kind of like... And seeing Baron Corbin in the United States picture, in that solid mid-car position. I was like, there we go. That's that's what I need. Maybe in a couple of years, I will see Baron Corbin as a main event player. But right now, he's he's mid-card, and he feels really good at mid-card. That, like, it fits him. And that, that's what Jinder Mahal would be. Because he, he did go from a, a jobber straight into a main event spot without the promo ability, without the main event wrestling experience. And... He he just hasn't connected, but put him with this exact same gimmick in the U in the United States title picture. I'm like fair play, like this is this is fine. As, as a counter argument to that, mm. uh, I'd be Wade Barrett. Wade Barrett went from being an NXT rookie 
to instantly into the mm. main event picture. And at no point did we go like, oh, that's a bit soon. But that's because they'd put him into this killer angle and put him within this group. That all, like They positioned them straight as main mm. events. It's actually the same as The Shield. The Shield debuted. They were all NXT guys. But they came in and they were instantly put in there with Cena, Ryback, Daniel Bryan, Kane. They were put into these... And they were, here, you need to take these guys seriously. These guys are a threat. Let's take them seriously. If they'd have done any of that sort of booking with Jinder and the Singh brothers, we wouldn't be having this conversation because they, if they'd been positioned as a threat, as an actual main event act, these matches would have felt more, the storylines would have meant more, but they've not. They've just booked him like a chump. They've not had him wrestle on TV. They've not had him credibly win anything. And the, the Singh brothers are goofballs. He's a goofball. So it just makes the whole thing seem, like, ridiculous. My counter counter. I look forward to Ooh. it. Oh, uh, this is like a proper good counter match where I've just reversed <laughs> your hold into my hold. It's like the Usos New Day match. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I do. That would have made it better, sure. But the examples you used of the Shield and uh, Wade Barrett, those are characters and wrestlers that we didn't. The, the vast majority of viewers didn't have any previous experience with. So it's easier to accept someone to be put straight in there who's come out of nowhere and they're in the top. Like, that's what they should have done with Shinsuke. Like, here's a big player. He's right in the main event scene. They've somewhat uh, fudged that, though. But Jinder, we've had, like, seven years of him oh, being... well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he was 3MB and all that. Yeah, and then he, he came back and he, and he was Rusev's lackey for a little bit. Mm. And then he, last time we saw him before he was champion was accidentally knocking out uh, Finn Balor. So, and you and I said this at the time, that if they were going to put the belt on him, at least give him this bit of build. In fact, really, if anything... I don't know why they didn't just hold off to like until roundabout sort of now a little yeah. bit before now to put the belt in because you could have actually used that time while he's been champion to build him up into that championship picture and then put the belt on him let him win it in the in let him India. win it in India yeah. like, in fact that's what some people thought they might do that Shinsuke mm. was going to win it because I think there was some listing that uh, billed him as a two time champion yeah. well there's still time I wouldn't, still I wouldn't put it past WWE to have him lose the title on Tuesday yep. and then win it back in India yeah uh, so the actual match we should probably talk about, but what is there to talk about? Well, it was fine. It was a fine match. It's every gender match you've ever yeah. seen, and and here is something that I think definitely could be talked about. So Shinsuke came out. He got a reaction. He got a good reaction, not a great reaction. It's not the sort of reaction mm. he should be getting. Um, and the Singh brothers came out as soon as the Singh brothers were like, it was like, and now the Singh brothers. Ooh, heavy boo for the Singh brothers. Mm. As soon as Jinder came out, crickets. Mm. Jinder is getting less boos than the Singh brothers are. So the Singh brothers are, 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 are hated, but Jinder's like, it's, no one cares. He's, everyone's just indifferent to him. Well, I guess it's because the Singh brothers get all the heat. <laughs> yes, yeah, Like so. Singh brothers, they do the cheating for Jinder yeah. to capitalise, which is what how this match ended. Pretty much, yeah. The other thing as well from this match is they did, um, Jinder was working over Shinsuke's knee which we just saw in the previous mm. match. So agents not communicating with each other, I feel. Yeah, I always remember that scene in The Wrestler when they're going over bits backstage. And yeah. Oh, you guys, like they overhear something. Oh, you guys working the arm? Oh, no, we, we, we work the leg, we work the leg. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, Don't do the same storyline in, in two matches. Yeah, especially consecutive ones. Yes. Uh, yeah, so um, the Singh brothers were going to be ejected from ringside because they kept on hopping up onto the ring apron and distracting proceedings. And while the referee was trying to throw them out... Kinshasa! And Jinder gets a visual pin. No, sorry, Nakamura gets a visual pin on uh, Jinder. The referee comes in, kick out, 
Well, then, no, he gets his hand on the ropes. Oh, it was a hand on the ropes, Again, yeah. talking about agents not talking to each other. They then did that in the Kevin Owens-Shane McMahon match. Well, come on to that bit. Yeah, <laughs> like, just have a chat with each other. If you're going to do spots, don't yeah. have the same spot in a future match. Especially one that doesn't work within the <laughs> confines of the rules Again, of the we'll come match. on to that. Uh, and yeah, then Jinder beat Nakamura with the cash, Cassus. Um, the the Coloss. The Coloss. The Cassas. What, what did you call it? The, Cass- the Cassius Ono. <laughs> the Crucix. Mm. Uh, yes, yeah, so Jinder retains dirty yet again. Should have been a DQ finish. That would have been a much better end to this match, in my humble opinion. I mean, there were no. There was going to be no good finish. Like even if yes, Nak- there was a DQ finish. If even if Nakamura won the belt, that should have happened last month. Yeah. So, it's just it's just one fart that started out loud and has now petered out, and no one cares about it. Yeah. Um. Next up, we have Bobby Roode beating Dolph Ziggler. Yep. And uh, and the notes here that I've just written: nice tan, Dolph. He had done a pretty bad job of his fake tan. Oh, really? Yeah. It kind of just really ended at his neck. It maybe he doesn't need tan. That's part of his gimmick. He doesn't need any frills. Yeah. He's just going to come out all pasty. He did tie his hair back into that. Uh, weird looking ponytail but then like it gets slightly loose and then mm. he just has little like flicky bits Frizzy hair. I mean granted I'm a, I'm a man with little to no mm. hair myself so I can't really pass comment on people's hairstyles but this was after uh, so the, the women's match didn't get much of a reaction but I, I thought it was a fine match mm-hmm. the fashion files I really enjoyed that got a reaction uh, but then the WWE title match was pretty quiet and then Bobby Roode for his pay-per-view debut was put in the buffer Parts. He was put in the divas position. Yeah, which WWE have that rule to. Br- they intentionally bring down the crowd in between the third, uh, the penult- the, the anti penultimate, and the final match of the night. So they pop more at the end. And yeah, if you if you're trying to get Bobby over, why not put him in a better yeah, spot? Don't put him in this spot here. And for weeks we have been seeing Dolph uh, imitate other people's entrances. We've seen him do the Undertaker's entrance. The Ultimate Warrior's entrance, he's done Naomi's entrance, all done them very poorly. So today he decided to do R Truth's entrance from his 2011 gimmick. But didn't R Truth walk out yelling stuff? No, he didn't. In his, it didn't just... go, you know, the truth has set me free. Yeah. Just walked out to complete silence. Something you had predicted on a previous episode. Well, yeah, I've seen this done before. I can't remember who it was, but in progress, uh, they had someone whose gimmick was he didn't need any gimmicks. And. Dolph Ziggler's doing pretty much exactly what they did. The Dudleys uh, used to do it as well in yeah. ECW. Uh, so, yeah, it was just... It, again, it was it was a well-wrestled match. The problem was, is I... Um, Meltzer and Wrestling Observer Radio said, on the house show circuit, everyone was giving this match rave reviews. Like they were putting on absolute clinics in uh, in the live events. But here it was... It, as soon as I realised it was going to be put in the buffer position, I thought... They're not going to be able to have that match. No, and as actually there was a point I was going to raise, and it's a real shame because you're right. I've, I've heard of the same reports, mm. which is like this match is absolutely killing it on the the house show circuit. And there is that disparity between what is happening on house shows and what happens on TV and pay per views because you're given a bit of time to work things on house shows. You can actually spend time having these matches. And then when it comes to pay per view, you're like, ah, you all can't have that match. So you guys need to go out there, but you're in the buffer match, so don't do too much mm. because you need to bring the crowd down. So work as a blander match as you possibly can because we need to save all of the big stuff for the Hell in a Cell match. And as a result, 
Bobby Roode's pay-per-view debut match is really boring. It's not glorious. It was it's meant to be glorious. glorious. And the crowd were absolutely yeah. dead. Whereas if they had been given time to work that this house show match, this 20-minute house show match that they've been having out in the circuits, they could have riled the crowd up mm. a little bit. And who knows then? That crowd would have been really hot for the main event as well. Yeah. It's, it's such a bizarre mentality that you need to actively bring down the crowd like why not keep whipping them up in a frenzy like what new japan and ring of honor do and all the wrestling promotions we we actually enjoy in our leisure time uh the the finish came when uh dolph hooked the tights on bobby Roode, but bobby Roode rolled through and hooked the tights himself getting the pin bobby beats dolph at his own game uh i saw a few people saying oh is this bobby Roode's heel turn Wishful thinking. Very much He's so. still a baby face. He was just getting one over on the dastardly Ziggler. And then Rude sort of celebrated afterwards. Glorious is playing. And Dolph immediately hits him with a zigzag. Just like the Natalia and Charlotte storyline, this is just the first chapter. So there are going to be more uh, bits. Unless this. the reports are to be believed that Dolph is going at the end of the month. Yeah. I Yeah. I, I'm, apparently, so from those reports... Uh, I, uh, you are sceptical. Uh, <laughs> oh, those reports. Well, those same reports now say that Dolph is getting over backstage because of this new gimmickless gimmick. You're kidding me. That's getting over with people. Well, you know, it, it's the reports, isn't it? Oh, it's uh, so, absolute garbage, mate. It's the worst gimmick of 2017. Yeah, so although not a good match, uh, no, it was a fine match. Although not a very impressive match. I'm not. I'm not down on the finish because it's like obviously the, telling them. I really story. liked the finish. Actually, I thought the finish was very good. But after an hour now of uh, not that great stuff, not as definitely not as hot as the first half of the pay per view with the three way and the hype bros uh, American beta match. So similar to No Mercy, that had a very hot first half and a very disappointing second half. They. Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon went out there and had a spectacle. An Attitude Era match. Yeah, a hell of a spectacle match with an absolutely brilliant, shocking twist. Actually, no, not brilliant. Intriguing. I'm very intrigued. I'm genuinely interested to see what happens next. I agree with your first one. You think brilliant. Well, okay, let's uh, let's, let's unpack this. Uh, Kevin Owens comes out cosplaying as Seth Rollins I really liked his new outfit I like his new outfit yeah. as well I mean it shows uh, a lot of like unimagin- unimagination there's that word again um, what is I'm after unimaginative that Lack is of that, inspiration yeah what? well unimaginative design because yeah. like yeah. the design team if you go to wbshop.com and look at the t-shirts every t-shirt just looks the same they've all got like some words here and then words curved around the top of it well I think those ones you're talking about are the vintage style ones but everyone has one and because it's, yeah, everyone has a vintage style T-shirt. I'm telling you, man. They... Well, look at Ballet Club. Ballet Club looks cool. Vintage, vintage. Uh, Shane and Mac looks different. I I say, man, go to wbshop.com. Every T-shirt looks the goddamn same. And it's now we're here with, and I really like this T-shirt as well. But yeah, mm. Seth Rollins already had this T-shirt. Well, the well, it's not really a T-shirt though. It's ring attire. It's a vest. Yeah. But all of Kevin Owens' um, ring attire are his shirts, just with the sleeves cut off, because he's allergic to sleeves. He's allergic to a shoe. <laughs> Come off. Uh, so Shane immediately went for Owens here. Didn't even let him get in the cage. And I thought, oh, is that is the cage not even going to have anything inside it? Uh, because, you know, all of New Day Usos was inside the cage. I thought for a moment, maybe they'll brawl around the entire arena yep. like they did on SmackDown. 
and then go up on top of the cage. I actually think it would have been better. Well, yeah, I, I kind of agree because after that initial flurry outside, they went back. Shane locked the uh, the gate to then later clip it off with much struggle. Yeah, and and they had kind of like it felt heated at the start, and then they just had a. They had the buffer match in the middle. They had a spot bit without much emotion. Like I, I, I was enjoying the spots. Like I like uh, Owen's uh, cannonball through the table off the apron. I thought that was really cool. Uh, but that was a good to, table. The coast to coast. The coast to coast. Uh, but it didn't. It suddenly didn't feel like this slobber knocker, this heated blood feud that it was meant to be. So there's a story that. Um, uh, Mick Foley tells in mm. his second book when he's talking about the, the Hell in a Cell match that he had with Triple H at No Way Out 2001 when he was wrestling as Cactus Jack. Uh, sorry, 2000, I do apologize. When he was wrestling as um, Cactus Jack. And he said that him and Trips were in the ring and they were doing all these big moves and they were doing like big moves and kickouts and stuff. And uh, Mick's there in his book and he says, like, and the crowd just aren't reacting. And it's like, okay, maybe we'll just do it. We need to do these moves harder then because the crowd's just not picking up on mm. this. And he said, we did all these big things and the crowd just weren't doing anything until we went outside and the crowd came alive. And that's when I realized that because of the precedent I'd set in 1998, everyone was just waiting for me to go outside and do the big spots. Mm. And I feel that's kind of like what happened with this match here, especially when you start the match off and you've got Shane diving out and doing his horrible punches. Like, I feel really bad for his Muay Thai trainer because mm. like that guy, like, if... If I was that trainer, I'd be like, don't put my name on this. I didn't train him to do that. Well, surely in Muay Thai, you're meant to hit the person. <laughs> so maybe he's, I've trained him so well, <laughs> he cannot throw a fake punch. Because those punches are, are dog awful. But anyway, so you run out and you do these like this big brawl on the outside. And then you go in. But all of the build you've been giving to this match is that, like, I'm going to dive off this. You always dive off that. I'm going to throw you off the cage. So the crowd just were not reacting to mm. anything that's inside the cage. And I was watching going, like, I mean, yeah, the coast to coast is cool. The cannonball is cool. But I'm, I'm waiting for you to go outside because that's where I know you're heading. And that's why I feel that they should have just stayed outside the cage mm. the entire time. Because I think the crowd would have stayed really hot. I, I agree that would have been better. Because it, it did... It didn't have the same... That was the, the worst part of the match. Not worth... You know, it was the least impressive part of the match. And they were doing some cool stuff. Great it's just, stuff. It wasn't... It wasn't as... It wasn't the right thing to do for this. It, uh, especially as well, because this match was 40 minutes. Yeah, it was a long one. 40 minutes. That's a long for for any kind of match, let alone a Hell in the Cell match, which is, you know, just a spot fest. Mm. And that bit in the middle, if you did just cut that bit out, and just had the brawl on the outside and then the brawl up on top and then and if you just kept that sort of like which would have made it like 15 10 20 minutes it'd have been a, like a really spectacular match apart from then you and you wouldn't have had this lull yeah uh, people i think WWE want you to think that Shane had this five star classic against the undertaker but that was the same all the stuff inside the cage at the start it was like um oh, it's dragging a little bit but then he got outside and it was you know the 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 the, the elbow off the the top yeah but he does a triangle sometimes yeah. so like he can go toe to toe with the undertaker uh, <laughs> yeah he took him 40 minutes as well uh, it's just uh, just ridiculous and if they weren't inside the cage that would have made so much more sense with the fool's count anywhere bit that they put in there which was obviously part of that finish but they just ignored it for one particular part which uh Many people have already picked up on after the coast to coast. Shane pins Kevin Owens and Kevin Owens holds the rope for the rope break. 
and the referee says, no, that's a rope break, fair play. Not fair play, as Corey Graves very wisely pointed out, well, emotions are running high in there, maybe that one just slipped through. He said, okay, but that was a bad call. Yeah, and that, like, that was well done, Corey, but no way was that planned. Well, the, or, the, or maybe it was planned. No, it was planned. It? The agents put it all together. So everyone sits down and puts these matches together. So they would have said, like, and I'll do, because oh, I'm so close, I'll do a rope break. Mm. But, so, then, but then to uh, not remember the stipulation oh, absolutely, of the match. Yeah, yeah. but like, you know, that, that sort of thing just happens a lot. Like, there have been times where they do triple threats when um, the people are in submissions and they go for the ropes. But there's no rope break in a triple threat match yeah. either because there's no disqualification. But do they do, they do that and go, oh, but people won't care. Or do they, they, or do, they, they do, do that? But then you've got JBL on commentary going like, it's a triple threat, there's no mm. DQ. So, yeah, that was uh, that was a stupid bit. But then they get that the second half was far more emotionally investing, particularly because I was terrified. Yeah. I was, like, I my heart was in my throat watching this. I took very few notes because I mm. couldn't take my eyes off screen. Uh, Shane is laid out on the announcer's table and Owens is looking at him and he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it, and he climbs up the cage, and everyone's going crazy. I'm like, I actually don't want you to jump off the cage. I, uh, my, my teenage self is furious at me right now because that, that's the pinnacle of my existence back then was someone to jump off the top of a cage. But uh, yeah, I was, I, I'm worried, and he kept it like Owens played it beautifully. He kept going to do it, and then freaking out. There's like these angels and demons in his head, and there's because there's always that thing within Hell in a Cell, particularly in the old days of Hell in a Cell. Like, why would everyone go up to the top of the cell? Why do multiple people go up? Like, if you go up, why does someone follow you? Mm. And there's always that you have to kind of give it a contrived reason. I thought this was a genius reason. It was like Kevin Owens put himself up there because he had every intention of jumping mm. down, but then chicken out, and then because he took so long, Shane recovered and went up yeah. to go and get him. It's a genius bit of storytelling. Yeah, that was really good. And then they had, then they did actual spots. Every time they hit a move, I was like, I mean, that that, big move. That cell was never in danger of falling through. Like they'd have gimmicked it to the nines, but they did such a good job of making you think that it was going to. And again, and you won't hear me say this very often, and I'm I'm harsh on WWE commentary, Mm. particularly on SmackDown with Tom and Byron. I mean, I'm very harsh with it, with Michael and Booker as well. But with Tom and Byron, I'm particularly harsh. The three of them in this match, when they were up on top of that cell, were absolutely brilliant. Mm. Just selling it so well. Even when you had Corey Graves and Byron kind of bickering with each other, they were bickering with each other because they were both scared. And they both said, like, I would, I'm just scared. I don't... And there was a moment when they just sort of went silent because they were getting ready for another move. And Tom Fuller goes, what more can you say? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's that's great. Don't say anything, Tom. That you like the let the visuals speak for themselves, because you did have these two guys just hitting like power. I mean, it took them a while to do the pop up power bomb, but like when they hit it, oh man! And oh, the suplexes, backdrops. The first one they did, uh, uh, Shane did the side Russian leg sweep. Mm-hmm. Divi just hit his head so hard on the support beams mm. and you could just see him because I mean have you, ever, have you ever had that when you kind of fall and you hit yet the back of your head on a wall particularly when you're a kid and trying to do wrestling moves in your bedroom and you hit your head on the wall that hurts because mm. it just rattles your brain and he hit the support beam on his head so hard I felt it I was like oh mate I bet that hurt and then when he did the pop up power bomb I just I did say to myself I can't believe he didn't put his hands behind his head 
because he just took it as a flat back bump as you would do if you were doing it on a canvas. But with all those support beams up there, my first instinct would be I'm putting my hands behind my head because at least that can cushion the or fall. Just take it very relaxed, like yeah, you your or just back yeah, there. just like yeah, like ah, uh, and then just at the last moment, just protect yourself because it was uh, it was so hard. It was like yeah, heart in. Th- Heart and throat. The, the the camera just made it look so much higher as well because you can't get close to the action. It just it just felt it felt so dangerous. Did you notice? And this obviously didn't come to pass. But when they were doing it, they stuck to one particular panel, hmm. and I thought, are they sticking to this panel because the other ones are gimmicked? And I thought, oh my god, someone's going through the top of the cage. I don't want this to happen. Yeah, I actually ca- don't want it to happen. But that's kind of what the, why this match was so good mm. because it constantly had you going like I don't know what's going to happen. Edge of my seat, Edge- genuinely. Someone sent us a message this morning saying that they stopped enjoying the match when they went up on top of the cell because they got too scared to watch. And I was like, that's the idea. Yeah, like, that's what yeah, that, yeah. that's the emotion you're supposed to feel. That's why I thought it was great. Mm. And then uh, after a while, Owen starts to climb down. Boo, crowd boo. Which was which was good. Like that's a heel move. And then Shane, I'm the noble baby face. I'm coming after you. And he threw Kevin Owens off the side of the cage. So not still a dangerous bump, but not a, a from the top. It's the same one that Seth and Dean had done at Hell in a Cell a couple years earlier. And I have written in my notes here: lame crash through the table. Promised a lot, but didn't deliver. Because you had all these promises like I'm going to throw you off the cell. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And so I wrote that note there, and I was like, yeah, that was a bit lame. And then. 20 minutes after the paper you had finished and I was having a shower getting ready to come down to the studio and I suddenly thought to myself I was like it wasn't a lame table crash at all I put that on myself because because of the promos and because of us talking about things I built it up in my head more and I should have known better mm. that they were never going to do the Mick Foley thing they were never going to throw people on the cell but I'd built it up into my head that's what they were going to do that when they did the table crash spot I was like that's lame but really it's not lame at all it's actually a very very good spot mm. and I suddenly thought to myself like, oh it's my fault I didn't like that well I think if nobody went off the top of the cage the way it's been built up that wouldn't have been your fault but someone yes. did go off. But the someone cage. did go yeah. off the cage. So that's, that's what I mean. It's like someone did go off the cage, and yeah. it was a really cool looking spot, and it was a great, it was a great bump to take, and they sold it really well. The EMTs felt like just instantly mm. rushed in, and like the, from then on, like the drama was was incredible. Because then you had Shane jump down, and he was going to pin him. Literally went to pin him, and then stopped, and was like, no this dude's done so much to my family and they did their headbutt spots yeah i loved that that was this, that was really nice yeah and this whole feud has almost been built around headbutts and it was a that great felt just ma- like a minor bit no one really it felt like no one referenced it enough yeah uh, but yeah that was a nice touch the and then of course shane goes up to the top of the cage yep. he goes to jump and what's that owen's got out of the way oh they just did the undertaker thing again. that's what i thought and then they cut down to a camera on the ground. Yeah, because Corey Graves shouts, where did Kevin Owens go? Yeah. And I said to myself, I didn't say it out loud because I'm, I was on my own, but I was like, oh, he got up and he moved. Yeah, that's what I thought. Until the camera panned up and there's Sami Zayn. And I literally, at this point, I did say out loud, I shout out loud, oh, Sammy! Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Kingslayer. <laughs> yeah, it was insane. And we've watched it back. Sammy is very clearly there. Like, on the, Shane's at the top, and there's a guy looking, s- and he's, like, ready to get Kevin Owens. He's, he's quite obviously there, quite obviously going to pull Owens away. 
but no one's looking at him. No one. Like we weren't. No one noticed, looking at Shane. No one in the crowd had noticed him come from the back. No one noticed him crawling around ringside because everyone was so focused on Shane. What genius. Like, that's genius. That is sleight of hand. So, they call it absolutely. It was so good. Uh, yeah. That and was, what that a was moment it was. Very well done. Because Sammy, a fantastic actor. Incredible to think that, I, I mean, if rumours are to be believed, he spent a lot of his career under a mask, but I'm pretty sure they're different. No, no, no. El Generico yeah, yeah. trained him, and yeah. that's where, like, it's so impressive that he can act that way, considering he was taught by someone in a mask. Who can't speak a lick of English. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Incredible. But Sammy's such a good actor, and he sold this moment so well. Mm. I thought this was a perfectly executed heel turn. Yeah. Loved every single thing about this because you had Sammy he pulled Kevin off and it was like he did that out of instinct he did that because he needed to, he wanted to save his his best friend from being crushed mm. it almost felt like he almost felt like he went down to try and stop everything and then was like I know I need to save Kevin and then doing so he was like what have I just done and then he was looking at Shane and was like I've done the right thing is that how it played out in your mind mm. that he went down to save his friend uh, I think that he'd gone down to try and stop the madness because, like, I, every, as soon as they were on the cage, I was like, I was, I was waiting for Sammy to come down and try and like encouraging them to get mm. down and to kind of stop this insanity. That's kind of how I read it. And then it was like, and he saw Kevin in that position. He was like, I need to save him. But they should, if if that's what they were doing, they should have shown that. They should have shown Sammy but, trying like, to stop. But he, but it, brilliantly, like, don't don't go up the cage. But Shane. no, but uh, but brilliantly, they've actually done it in a much better way because now we're having these discussions of what Sammy's motive is. But uh, perhaps my reading on it is completely wrong. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, I don't think you're reading. What's your right. reading on it? Well, I think uh, you're probably going to get a promo on Tuesday. I've tried to do things the right way. Tried to do things the Sammy way ever since I got here. Because uh, you had those lines between Owens and Sammy backstage, well, and and in the pro- yeah. like in the ring, like at least I can look at myself in the mirror. I don't have all those championships like you do, Kevin. But yeah, I can look at myself. Uh, uh, the promo when I predicted the Sammy heel turn was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I think in fact I predicted that sh- uh, he was going to be laid on a table and Sammy was going to pull him off. I do. As as I said outside, you are more in tune with WWE's crappy storytelling. Oh, behave yourself! It's well great done. storytelling. Uh, and so, yeah, so this is going to be the SmackDown promo. Sammy says all of that, but look where it's got me. I haven't been in a main event pay per view. Whereas Kevin Owens, he's always in the main event. He's been a Universal Champion. He's facing a McMahon. Uh, so I took it upon myself to to do things the Kevin way. And I think I think that's the story they're going to. Basically, tell. we are telling the same story, just with slightly difference. Yeah. Of like, I need to save this guy. Oh and, yeah, yeah. Because that because think... that because that will make Shane crash. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think he ran down there like, oh, I've got to stop this whole match. No, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's trying to like give a reason as to why doing that. Yeah, yeah. But that but that's why it was so good afterwards. Sammy's got this wonderful expression on his face, which Owens has been doing so well in the build up to of this feud, and that's ah. I don't think I did the right thing, but I, oh, I'm conflicted. I'm so conflicted right now. Just once again, this is the same story that I'm telling, but Ollie's telling me I'm wrong. Just, just, just putting that out there. I'm, I'm, this is the part I'm agreeing you with. You literally said I was wrong, and then uh, you're saying you're repeating back to me what I said to you. <laughs> no, I thought I thought you said that shape, Sammy Zayn came down to stop the match. No, I said, I said that, and then realised. No, I, I love my best friend. No, no, I don't, I don't think... I, uh, if I said that, if that's mm. how it came across, that's not what I that's meant. That's what I mistakenly thought you said. Perhaps that's what I did say, yeah. but that's not quite what I meant. Cool. Uh, but yeah, so 
Yeah, what a cliffhanger! Because, because well, well, it, okay. didn't, it didn't look like Kevin Owens was in on it. No, and the commentators kept saying that Kevin doesn't even know that he's won the match. He has yeah. no idea what's happened. And there is a, a brilliant moment where you, we're talking about like you know, Sammy's facial expressions here when they're, they're putting him on the board, and Sammy again is conflicted and doesn't know what to do, and he suddenly just goes like, "This is wrong. This is mm. wrong," and starts pushing these people off, and just like drags Kevin and like just bulls him over into it, and then grabs the rep and is like, "Count." Mm. Oh, what! Like, just awesome from top to from T to B, top to bottom. This was awesome. So I don't know if I'm uh, reading too much into this, Ooh. but there was a tight. This is this is such a tiny geeky moment, and it probably doesn't actually probably wasn't intentional. But uh, I love the Kevin uh, Owens Chris Jericho feud. A big part of that was the creation of Kevin in the Festival of Friendship segment. You know, the where Kevin mm-hmm. is, is leaning out to touch. I can't remember what painting it's a mimic of. But they're both scantily clad. And they're both trying to touch each other's fingers. And then that was a big part of their feud. Where it was Kevin Owens was a finger away. Got the finger rope break uh, across two different matches. And here Sami Zayn reaches out. To take Kevin Owens' hand to drag him off. I think you are reading fast too much. I, I didn't, but like <laughs> but, you know, I, Owens I'm not, I'm, and Jimmy Jacobs are the but, kind. But un, unlike you, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. <laughs> and, no, no, tell me I'm wrong. Then tell me exactly <laughs> what I said back. That's the way you do it. <laughs> so yeah, a, a genuinely interesting cliffhanger. I cannot wait for SmackDown. Sure, you know I was messaging my buddy because he's out in America at the moment. I messaged him because he watched the pay per view live. Uh, he said he goes, "It's pretty watching it in America because it ends at such a reasonable hour." Well, and, it's still well, half still an hour half, over. Yeah. Um, but, he, uh, but he messaged me and he's like, I'm really intrigued for SmackDown. Mm. And I said to him, I was like, for the first time in a while, I feel like I'm really excited to watch SmackDown and see where this storyline is going. And not like, we haven't had that many pay-per-views this year where the pay-per-view is finished and you're like, man, I can't wait to tune into the following night to see how this storyline is going to progress next. Because if they are like following through with what was teased on Talking Smack, which is going to be Kevin and Sammy versus Shane and AJ... Like that that's that's a great pay per view match to do it for the December show after Survivor Series. Because now you've got all these questions about what they're gonna do for Survivor Series. Are they gonna do the traditional five on five? Yeah. In which case if they are, are you gonna have Sammy, Kevin, Shane and AJ on the same team? Mm. Well, how about we just quickly answer Patreon backer John McBride of Frankenstein's question. Because he was is, there. He was there, he's that he's our boy in Detroit. Just got home from Helena Cell. That's My right, question right. Is how will Sammy do as a heel? Brilliantly. So yeah, you think he's good? Because, well, because I've never, I've never seen him as a heel. Well, no, because Sammy's never worked as heel. Sammy's been perpetual. He's been no, like and El Generico. I've never seen El Generico not, the same, separate but... person. But you know, they he was trained by him. I never saw him as a heel either. No, and so but I think that Sammy's got so many like this character piece is brilliant because it works so beautifully off that promo mm. where she's like. Doing everything the Sammy way has got you nothing. It got you a very short NXT championship reign. And then it got you absolutely nothing after that. You haven't won a championship since then. You've been not booked on pay-per-views. And now Sammy is looking at it the Kevin Owens way. That is just a genius thing. And you said when we did... Man, whose heel turn was it when we did Fantasy Booking Warfare? Was it a Roman heel turn? I didn't no, think we've done a Roman heel turn. I don't, we did Bailey? it... Yes, we did the Bailey heel turn there, and you said the, the the only reason you should turn someone heel if they're like a great babyface, the only reason to turn them heel is if your end goal is to make them an even bigger babyface mm-hmm. coming out of it. And telling this story with Sammy should make him an even bigger babyface coming out of this. So yeah, I I agree with you. I'm not going to disagree and then 
<laughs> actually agree with you again. Uh, but I think Sammy will do spectacularly as a heel. I think Sammy and Kevin Owens as a tag team, that makes my Ring of Honor heart swell with joy. I'm enormously excited to see that. You see uh, the picture that Kevin Owens posted up on Instagram? No. It was them, I'm guessing at a Ring of Honor show or a show somewhere because he's wearing a Kevin Steen t-shirt and he's hugging El Generico. Mm. And it was just like, it was like almost posted without comments. Oh, that makes me happy. <laughs> it's like quite overwhelming to to, to follow their. You're getting a little bit glassy eyed. Well, it's just you know, it's cool. I really like them as I really really like them as as wrestlers, and I have them for a long time. And to see them now at the top of SmackDown like this is it's quite something. And the uh, uh, I, I think the long term plan is I, I would love to see Sammy and Kevin do a proper heel tag team run, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe that's who I know. Usos have got the belts. Um, I was going to say that's who New Day could go against. But uh, I would love to see a tag team run with them and then they get so over that they become a babyface tag team. Mm-hmm. And then they're a babyface unit for ages and then Owens turns on Sammy and then Sammy's a huge babyface. And then and you th- build to a really great WrestleMania match. Not at next not at next year's WrestleMania or the year after that. Oh, wow, yeah. yeah. The year after that. Yeah, so I... Now, at the start of this review, I said it was intriguing rather than brilliant. And I, that is because I, I am, I'm sad that it's come to this. I'm sad that it's come to Sami Zayn having to turn heel. I'm sad that if Bailey ever turns heel, I'm sad it's, it would have come to that. Because those are super babyface characters that should have had proper multi-year babyface runs in the upper mid card to the top of the card. But they will never get to have that first run like that because of bad booking and bad placement and being left at the back of the pile, at the bottom of the pile. So, yeah, as Sammy Sammy Zayn heel turn works well in story, works well from a character perspective, but it's just because he hasn't done anything. Well, it's, it's the Roman Reigns thing. Like, people boo Roman Reigns because he's been booked so poorly. So now everyone's just like, well, let's turn him. Uh, the crowd go, you need to turn him heel, turn him heel. But we're only saying that because like, the booking has been so poor that we've been... T- you can't pull that face because when he was a baby face, we were mm. cheering him. Initially, when he was part of the Shield and when he first broke away from the Shield, we were cheering him. Yeah. But then piss poor booking has spiralled him to the point now where we're like, I don't care about him anymore. And it's awful. And it's the same with Sami Zayn, where he was so over, but piss poor booking has just spiralled him into the point now of, of complete indifference, where he doesn't get any sort of reaction. So the only thing you have left is to turn him heel. My, but, but you didn't. You shouldn't have got to this point. Mm. My, my counter to that would be, I think Roman was a badass babyface, which lends itself... I feel, I feel like he's a natural heel. Uh, so, but he, has well, got a, whereas, he has got a heels face. Yeah, whereas Sami Zayn is a natural baby face. He's a the, natural underdog. Absolutely. So, uh, I, 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 I disagree with that particular comparison. But yeah, are you now going to say that I was right? But, well, you know, you're going to right. say the same point, <laughs> but make it sound like it was your point. But it is my. So, who do you think had the better points throughout the show? Well, before, uh, we, before we do. Uh, we need to finish off ba- uh, fantasy booking warfare results. Oh, you mean the predictions results? That's what, exactly what I meant. Right that time. <laughs> okay, so you won the first round with uh, Chad Gable and Shelton Benjamin. It was a draw on the second with uh, the Usos winning. Uh, Luke won the third one with Randy Orton. It was a draw next with Baron Corbin. 
Then I won with Charlotte Flair. God damn it, DQ booking. Even though it was DQ. Then I won with Fashion Files not revealing the attackers. Just being a regular episode. I should have seen that coming. That was something we actually tried to predict. I won with Jinder Mahal damn it, Jinder. Uh, winning. Because you said it would be a Shinsuke Nakamura DQ, DQ win. win. Uh, we both won with Bobby Roode. And I won with Kevin Owens winning. Damn it, Shane! So that's uh, 6-4. 7-5, I make seven, it. 7-5, even better. So, yeah, I first blood. Absolutely. I, I go ahead at the start. Well done, you. Well done. Well done. I was right. <laughs> I won the rightness. So all, your, so all the good points Luke made in this video are now my points. Yeah, that's fine. Because yeah. I won the predictions. <laughs> Oh, Ollie is a fart head. Is that really no, a comment? No, it's not. No, it's not a comment. <laughs> well, I, feel, I feel like right now it's that Jimmy... Is it Jimmy Kimmel or is it Jimmy Fallon? It's one of the Jimmys who are American and are on late in the day mm-hmm. on television. And they do the, you know, celebrities read out mean tweets. I feel like it's kind of like that, but you're just reading them at me. So I can't even take ownership. Yes. So so you're try- So what Luke's trying to do right now is... We, we just posted my Helena Cell review where I gave it... Five out of five, which I've never done for a, a WWE pay-per-view, and I don't know any of the comments, and I'm scared of the comments. So Luke is is gonna well, read uh, them uh, to me. For uh, the first amazingly, time no one is actually targeting you specifically, <laughs> um, but like a lot of people are saying, like I gave it smack bang in the middle because of Jinder Mabal. Yeah, um, fair though. Yeah, smacktastic. Um, someone does one of my favourite things that internet uh, commenters do, mm-hmm. where they use a wrestler's previous name as opposed to yeah. like their current WWE name because that means that they know. So they said Steam, did they? No, uh, El Generico. Nice. Obviously confusing that they're well, not that's the a same. Different person. I know they've made that mistake, but they think that they're being smart. Like I see a lot when people go like, "Oh yeah, John Moxley had a really good match this mm. week." I, the worst thing for me, I used to have a friend that did it and it drove me up the wall. Was he would call Undertaker Mark? Oh. <laughs> and I would just be like, D-, like if you ever met him, that would be the most disrespectful thing you could do. Yeah. Well, part, you know, not that I, you could you could take a dump on his shoe. That would probably be. More, <laughs> but it is it is very disrespectful. Yeah. And uh, yeah, a lot of, like he called Kane Glenn. I'm like, what, what? Why are you doing this? It's yeah. just to rub. Like, look, I know wrestling. Oh, I know wrestling. Yeah. Um, someone has just said here, Ollie better than Luke. Well, I see none there. Um, <laughs> oh, so it's it's okay so yeah, far. Uh, no, be- uh, oh, no. So someone smacked down in capital letters. They agree yep. with me. Uh, no, because that piece of crap Jinder Mahal retained the WWE title. He's a bit harsh. You see, that's something we didn't touch on in the review. I never thought Nakamura was going to win. No, it. So neither did I. I. Mentally gave up on that. No, when I had uh, Nakamura down as win, as I said, I, I thought it was going to be by DQ. I thought Jinder was easily retaining. Uh, excellent, not so much. Good, yes. Um, this, is, this is a disappointingly measured. It really is. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely disappointed here. I think it's uh, Jinder Mahal sucks. R.I.P. Rusev. Everything else was great to okay. I think maybe it's because we've been putting those. Uh, be friendly in the comments things maybe well, it's yeah, funny I, catching on I did that on yesterday on the Sunday video I shouldn't really put a timestamp on this mm. I did this on the Sunday video and everyone was just like no I won't be friendly in the comments yeah but then some people do that because it's funny because no mm. one makes that joke and then uh, then, then they'll go on a, a swearing tirade yeah. which I actually do find quite funny right. um, well, here's my favourite kind of uh, comment been waiting for this a solid three point star- uh, I'll try that again been waiting for this that's why I don't read the reviews been waiting for this. A solid 3.5 star pay-per-view for me. How about you, Ollie? 
I mean, you could just watch the video. That's that's, that's literally what it's there for. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it's there for. Um, but yeah, actually, everyone is. Um, oh, subscribe to my channel for experts games. Um, so yeah, I think everyone's kind of on your side, really, by the looks yeah, that's of it. That's not bad. That's yeah. good. Well, I'll. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Someone Hard Fries has <laughs> yeah. commented. Sammy needs new music. Someone it screams face. Someone uh, messaged. Uh, messaged. This is also why I don't talk mm. a lot. Someone sent me a message this morning on Twitter asking if they thought uh, if I thought that Sammy would have new music. I uh, yeah. I I think that he has to have new music. Mm. But then again, we said the same thing about Gentleman Jack Gallagher needing to have new music, and yet he comes out on 205 Live to the same music he had when he was a babyface. But Ryder the Valkyrie is, is Wagner, he's the ultimate heel. <laughs> he's like that's not Ryder the, It's not Ryder the Valkyries, that's uh, Daniel Bryan. Uh, yeah, you're right, it's uh, dun, 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 Los Campeones. Oh, Alright, like right, Mozart. <laughs> uh, why am I looking at my script? I forgot what we're doing. iTunes reviews. There's no script here. Uh, Callum Farrant writes... My favourite podcast. A wonderful podcast which covers the latest news on professional wrestling and the latest episodes of Raw and Smackdown. They are extremely funny with their British culture-related jokes and general sense of humour. They have great chemistry and neither of them are Marty Jannetty of the team. Just both Shawn Michaels. Winky smiley face emoji. They are the only reason I look forward to Mondays with this amazing podcast. Keep up the good work, lads. Oh, great Thank review, you, Callum. Parent. But really, you should also be looking forward to Wednesdays and Saturdays. Yeah, and and I'm sure there's many more reasons to look forward to Mondays. <laughs> yeah. It seems quite bleak. I mean, was that re review written by Garfield? Yeah, I hope not. Uh, so Milo underscore T says, number one podcast for great entertainment Listen on half speed. Yeah, we, I get a lot of this. That like hurts. every couple of days, I get a message going like, "It's really funny to listen to your podcast on half speed." I mean, people probably do have to because, I mean, we talk quite fast. Mm. We're both fast talkers, and I listen to other podcasts on double speed, and they seem to speak at the same level we do talking normally. So maybe people half speed it to, to, and, to get understand a what we're saying. Uh, pacing, yeah. But, or it makes us sound drunk, as this review says, I love this podcast. I watch slash listen to every episode. Keep up the good work, guys. And for anyone who wants a laugh and to hear what Ollie and Luke would sound like as old drunks, then listen on half speed. You're welcome. Tears and the crying with laughter emoji. No, um, I mean, to be honest, I mean, I know what we sound like as old drunk men because we're both old and uh, we've been uh, drunk together many times. Yeah, we've done that. <laughs> we have done that. Uh, so that's the end of the show. That uh, sort of petered you, out. Didn't it, it did peter out. It's because you pointed it to something very funny on your laptop <laughs> monitor, and then I was like, "Oh, well, I won't say what it is because clearly you're about to set that up for something else." Yeah. And then you just didn't. Nah, I didn't. <laughs> no, it's it's that it's that I've got that Thursday feeling where I've mentally given up on the rest of the show. <laughs> Can't do that. It's Monday, mate. It's the start it's, of the week. Well, I'm not looking forward to Mondays now. The wrestle ramble's over. Oh, I suppose I that's very true. <laughs> because as soon as soon as we stop recording this, ladies and gentlemen, Luke's going to leave me. <laughs> I'm leaving. Going actually, home. I'm going home. I'm going to edit the podcast and I'm going home. So, I mean, I've got another ten minutes in me. Yeah, you reckon? No, 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 no. you need to go. Okay, we'll see you on Wednesday for our Raw and SmackDown review, where hopefully we'll find out what is going on with Sami Zayn. But let's be honest, it's probably all going to be dropped. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fashion files <laughs> to be. Love you. Bye.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 